Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a decree against the Jews as we pick up in Esther, chapter 4, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth with ashes, and he went out into the midst of the city, and he cried with a loud and bitter cry. And he even came before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate who was clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's commandment and decree had come, there was a great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came, and they told her. And the queen was exceedingly grieved, and she sent clothes to Mordecai. And she said, Take off that sackcloth, but he received it not. Then Esther called for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, who was appointed to attend her, and she gave him a commandment to go out and find out from Mordecai just what was going on. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai out in the streets. Mordecai told him all that had happened unto him the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it to Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king and make supplication unto him and to make a request before him for her people. So Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai, and again Esther spoke, to Hatak and said, go out and tell Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who has not been called, there is one law, and that is to be put to death, except such as to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I've not been called to come into the king for 30 days. And so they went out and told Mordecai Esther's words. So Esther hears of the cousin of hers and is wailing and and lying out there in, in sackcloth and ashes. And so she says, what's wrong? He sends back one of the copies of the decrees that has gone out and suggests that Esther go in to her husband. Now, can you imagine that kind of a a relationship, husband and wife relationship? Uh, He hadn't called for her for 30 days, and if she just appears on the scene, she's put to death. Unless he would raise the golden scepter towards her, and then she is spared. Quite a weird kind of a relationship, to say the truth. And so she was hesitant to go in. And then Mordecai sent to her this message. Don't think within yourself that you're going to escape because you're in the king's house more than all of the Jews. For if you all together hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place 
but you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Number one, don't think that just because you're in the palace, you're going to escape the king's edict. You're a Jew. It'll reach you there. Also, if you fail, here God is giving you the opportunity of being the instrument of saving the people. And if you fail, God will use someone else, but you'll be destroyed. You and your father's house will perish. God will bring deliverance. God's purposes are going to stand. God has to keep the Jews alive. Through whatever persecution and all they may go through, God has to preserve them. God will preserve them. Their enlargement and, and deliverance will arise from another quarter, but you're going to be destroyed with your family. And who knows? Maybe God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. All of these circumstances are not just coincidences. So often I hear people say, you know, the strangest coincidence happened to me. But coincidences really don't exist in the Christian vocabulary. God has his hand upon our lives, and he has a plan and a purpose for each thing that takes place. And many times what we look upon as great tragedies are really methods by which God is bringing certain things to us. I look back on my own life and I can see how that the hand of God has been upon my life from the beginning. Now, I must confess there were many times in my life that I thought I was pretty well forsaken by God. I thought that God had forgotten me completely. I was certain that God wasn't interested in me or my welfare. And I have had some very discouraging experiences, difficult times. I've gone through a lot of hardships. And yet, as I look back on them now, I can see that God was using each one of those experiences for a definite plan and a purpose as he was preparing me and as he was leading my path into that which he had in mind for me from the beginning. And that all of those disappointing experiences, all of those years of struggle in the ministry, all the years of hardship, all the years of just skimping to get by, trying to survive, were all a part of God's plan to prepare me for the work he had in mind for me to do. Number one, he allowed me 17 years of failure in the ministry 
to thoroughly condition my mind to the fact that I could do nothing so that when God did begin to work, I wouldn't try to take credit for what God was doing. And after 17 years of my best efforts, my best years, young, innovative, energetic, dark wavy hair, God let it all go. <laughs> let me get over the hill. And then he began to work so that I am wise enough to recognize the difference between my work and God's work. And I can look back at the 17 years of ministry and show you my work my best work, and it ended in failure. And I can look now at God's work and stand with the next guy just overwhelmed and amazed at what God can do. But it was all necessary because I had a lot of self-confidence. I had a lot of ideas. I had a lot of innovations, and, and God had to let me sort of waste them in 17 years of trying until I gave up. And now it's so beautiful because it's God's work, and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to stay awake nights and pound the pillow and plan and what are we going to do and how are we going to do it and all? It's, it's God's work. It's the Lord's church. But it took me a long time to come to that. So all the way through all of these things, God was working, putting me in this place to meet these people, moving me here to meet these people. All the way along, God was guiding and directing, though at times I thought that I was forsaken by God. Yet God was, you know, working things out. The first time I went to Corona to pastor, we had just two children when we first went there, and we had 16 people in church. I gave it two of my best years, working hard, knocking on doors, doing everything I could. And after two years, we had 17 people in church. <laughs> Our son Jeff was born in that <laughs> period of time. Oh, that was a hard place in the ministry. And I really felt rejected by God. I ended up there resigning from the ministry. And then a gracious bishop talked me into trying again. But God's hand was in it. You see, while I was there, I met people, though they never did come to my church. 
I met people who later on became a very important part of my being freed from denominational ties. For people that I met while I was there who never did attend my church while I pastored there. Years later, when I got discouraged and just quit the ministry again, they said, why don't you come out and start a Bible class in our home in Corona? And so I went out and started a Bible class in their home, which grew into a church. And I began to see God work. But you see, had I not spent the two bitter years there and met these people, I might still, well, I'd probably, I'm sure I wouldn't be in the ministry today because I had had it. But God's hand, I can, I can see it all the way along. And he was working, even as God is working in your life. And you may tonight feel like, oh, how could God be in this mess? <laughs> but yet God is working out his purpose. And who knows but what God hasn't brought you into the kingdom and that just right around the corner, you're going to begin to see God's work after all of your futile efforts and uh, all your struggles, when you finally turn it over to God, you give God a chance to work. You see, that was my problem. I was so stubborn, I was going to do it. I knew I could do it. And I kept trying. And I didn't turn it over to God for years. But oh, what a joy now that I've finally learned to turn it over to God. And if you'll just learn to turn it over, you can find God's work in a very special way. Who knows? Who knows what God wants to do? Who knows what God has in mind for you? Who knows the plans of God for your life? So Esther said, gather together all of the Jews in the city. Fast and pray for me, and I will go in unto the king and if I perish, I perish. That's a commitment. That's a complete commitment. That's the kind of commitment that God wants from your life. Lord, all the way. If I perish, I perish. Lord, I'll do it. I'll go for it. And so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel, and she stood in the inner court of the king's house. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter, no doubt some kind of a protocol or ceremony. Then the king said to her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seems good to the king, let the king and Haman come this day to a banquet that I've prepared for him. 
And the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to the half of the kingdom it will be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them tomorrow, as the king hath said. Then Haman went forth that day joyful with a glad heart. He really thought, man, I'm in, you know. The queen is inviting only me to come with the king to this banquet. He was just really exalted until he got to the gate and everyone was bowing and he saw that Mordecai standing. Just wiped him out. Oh, he got angry. He saw Mordecai in the king's gate and he stood up and he did not move for him. And he was full of indignation. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called his friends and Zeresh, his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above all the princes and servants. And Haman said, Moreover, yes, Esther the queen didn't let any man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself, and tomorrow I'm invited unto her also with the king. And yet all of this avails me nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeresh, his wife, and all of his friends to him, hey, why don't you build some gallows 75 feet high and string that little guy up when the day comes and just swing him from the gallows 75 feet. That'll satisfy you when you see him swinging from that gallows. So it pleased Mordecai. The idea sounded great to him. And so he had built a gallows 75 feet high in which he was preparing to hang Mordecai. Now, that night, King Ahasuerus couldn't go to sleep, just lying there restless. No doubt God was in the restlessness. And so he said, bring to me the chronicles, the history. Read to me. What's more boring than history? <laughs> Read to me the history books. Probably figured he'd go to sleep while they were reading. <laughs> and as they were reading the history, the records, he came to the place where Mordecai had warned him of the assassination plot. And he said, what was done to reward that man? who warned me of the assassination? And they said, nothing. He said, well, surely he should be rewarded. And so in the morning, when Haman came whistling in, the king said to Haman, Haman, what should the king do for the man that he seeks to 
honor very highly. Man, I love the way God turns the tables. You know, I just... <laughs> and Ohaman thought, now, who would the king want to honor more than me, you know? I mean, at this time, he was really pride, puffed up and blind, you know? Who does the king want to honor more than me? And so, thinking that the king was referring to him, he... He sort of expressed what was in his heart, really. Let the king's royal robes be put upon him and the king's crown upon his head. And let him be driven in the king's chariot through the city and send the couriers before him crying out, Behold, the man whom the king delights to honor. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Esther on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Esther 4 through 6 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord put His hand upon your life fill you with his spirit, and guide you with his counsels. May you be strengthened in your walk with him. May you begin to experience greater victories over those areas of the flesh that have dominated. And may you begin to experience more and more the power of God's spirit within your life, giving victory. May the Lord be with you, and may the Lord keep you in his love during the time that we were absent from each other. And may you just grow in your knowledge of Him and in your fellowship. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, 
where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.